Welcome to Better Business Outcomes, where we discuss how good communication can transform and grow organizations with a series of global leaders who have set the standard for what great looks like. I'm Sarah Waddington from Wads Inc, and I've been working in public relations for over 20 years. In this podcast, you'll hear from leaders and senior communicators about their leadership journeys and how they create social capital. You'll also understand the areas that you should be focusing on to build personal and organizational resilience. Find out how public relations could unlock value for your organization and enjoy a great listen along the way. And today, I have the pleasure of welcoming John Geldart, who is the Director General for the Institute of Directors, also known as the IOD. As an IOD branch chair for the Northeast and the North, I'm keen to discuss some of the thorny issues facing directors right now, what good governance looks like, and much more. Welcome to the show, John. Hi, thanks for inviting me. Let's get started. Better business outcomes. It's all about good leadership. So tell us about your leadership journey and where that started. Oh my goodness, we'll have to go back quite a long way, I think, to get any degree of credence as to why I've ended up here. Most of my career has been accidental. So if I go back a few years, you know, why did I end up coming to this role as the uh, the rather grandly titled Director General? I'm basically CEO. The Institute was formed in 1903, got its Royal Charter in 1906. And at, at that time, they had this, uh, this wonderful title of the Director General. It's kind of stuck, I suppose, over the years. Um, but I'm the CEO. And prior to my time here, I was incredibly privileged to uh, spend quite a lot of time in China where I saw both uh, good leadership and uh, and poor, and I won't comment on the Chinese leadership, Xi Jinping coming up for almost certain re-election for an extraordinary third term in China. But uh, my time there came out of being asked to go to China for three months. And as ever in leadership, you end up taking up a challenge and it often seems going to be easy and short, and then it turns out to be somewhat more protracted. Uh, and 10 years later, I was still in China. So that was at the time when I was on the global board for Grant Thornton, the accounting firm. Uh, and I'd come from PwC, used to be called PricewaterhouseCoopers, for, where I was a consultant for about 16 years. And I specialized in the middle market. So my whole life really in, and career has been spent advising organizations and leadership teams and organizations uh, about how to look at their own businesses, in particular around markets and marketing strategy. So my leadership journey, uh, although it started before in the drinks industry in the UK, went through, and I'm not an accountant, I probably know enough to be dangerous, <laughs> I went through PwC uh, and then on into to Grant Thornton. But I think perhaps the most pertinent, you know, why have I ended up doing what I'm doing, comes from reading an advertisement in a newspaper in 2004. And that advertisement was the one, or it was cribbed really from the alleged advertisement placed in the Times by Sir Ernest Shackleton when he was asking for men wanted for hazardous journey to go to the South Pole. Uh, and in a very similar ad, there was a men and women wanted for hazardous journey uh, to go to the North Pole. And basically, I applied for that. And after two years of training, uh, well, I got selected on the team. And then I, I, after two years of training, I ended up pulling a 90-kilo sled uh, unassisted for 26 days to the North Pole. So I learned a lot about leadership and, and leadership teams and how to work within teams as part of that two-year training. I'm a qualified UK mountain guide and mountain medic. So I've been able to learn from my experience of doing rather odd things. I was a rally navigator for 20 years as well. Uh, so I've had some interesting experiences and they have in inadvertently brought me to where I am today, 
Uh, and so it's a bit of an odd story, but um, maybe the one that's of interest. I love that. Um, I did Cambridge Judges Steering Complex Projects Program and Shackleton's journey comes up on that as part of the, the teaching materials. So I can imagine it's all about leadership skills and, and teamwork. So I can understand why that's so very much applicable today. Let's talk about the IOD, one of the oldest membership organisations, as you say, been at the heart of the business community since, was it 1903? Tell those who might not be familiar what it stands for, what it does. Well, um, therein lies a little story because the IOD was set up in 1903, got its Royal Charter from the then King in 1906. And it was set up really by the Victorians, who in many ways are very far-sighted, to, uh, to look at providing support at the time for improving the quality of British leadership. Now, paraphrased, how we've rearticulated that is around better directors basically run better businesses. So the job of the IOD is to support directors to be the best directors we can be. That's that's what we, that's our purpose. That's the reason we exist is to improve the quality of directors and their equivalents uh, in in the UK and indeed around the world. We do that in three ways, and this isn't just something that's come out of the Victorian times. It's come out of continual research, and we've recently been in flight with research. Uh, which has supported this again. Um, you know, what, what people need and what leaders need, and certainly I speak from personal experience, is, and this happens all over the world, by the way, is people need um, two things, really. They, they need to be able to improve the quality of their decision-making, and they need to be able to feel that they're doing the right thing. And feeling that you're doing the right thing often comes from peer-to-peer engagement and lateral mentoring, if you like, uh, um, you know, finding people who are like you, who are going through the same sort of situations, experiencing the same concerns, looking and facing into the, the, the same headwinds. And most people in CEO positions, it's quite a lonely position, as you'll, you'll know, Sarah. And basically there we're looking for, and I'm no different to anybody else, for people we can trust, who we can listen to. Uh, and we can engage with. So the one thing that the IOD, D, I think, does very well is we connect. So we connect directors on their equivalents one to another, both locally, uh, across the UK, and indeed internationally. And that's that's a very important component of what the IOD does. We've got 53 branches across the UK. We're a distributed model. Uh, it used to be seen that the IOD was a kind of male, pale, stale, London-centric organisation. You preempted that question. I, I'm, I'm, I thought I'd get there before you did, really. Um, and basically, that, yeah, it was. It, it probably was. You know, it looked it looked like me. And you know, I can't help how old I am and the fact I'm... I hope I'm not stale, but you know I, I can't help who I am. But that that was often who it was focused at, and that has fundamentally changed. And the, the main reason for the change is because, quite frankly, uh, the IOD is here to represent all directors, and that means, um, particularly as we go forward, being a diverse and inclusive organisation. Uh, you know, we we've seen every metric you care to mention demonstrate beyond all reasonable doubt that diverse boards, and I'm not just talking about gender diversity, but but every type of diversity, um, including uh, neurological diversity. If you don't have diverse boards, you don't get good decision making. It doesn't mean you don't have disagreements, you do, but actually those disagreements end up you being in a better place. So the IOD is all about connecting people um, one with another in, in, in all our diversity as directors. And the second thing we do is we, we really support people in their learning, personal development. You can never stop learning. And um, no matter how 
uh, smart we think we are. We're never the smartest bear in the in the wood, and, and there's always something we can learn. Uh, and the IOD really is there to help develop people's skills as directors, and we do that through a whole range and series of activities. From something recently we launched called um, Tomorrow's Director. Uh, for young aspiring directors and for startups through aspiring director, uh, right of a whole series of other things we do uh, up to the charter director status. And so we, we connect people, uh, we develop their skills as directors, and I'm on that journey too. And we also then influence, and we influence the people that matter to affect business. And that's an interesting component of the IOD because we, we people keep telling me, oh, well, you're the oldest lobbying organization in the United Kingdom. I wasn't aware we did lobbying. Um, what we do do is try to somewhat Reithian-like. When, when Lord Reith set up the BBC, um, he talked about holding a mirror up to society. Um, and that's what the IOD does. We hold a mirror up to our members and we then tilt that mirror so that the, the government can see. And we're incredibly privileged in that we are able, we're one of uh, only five organizations in the UK that every Monday afternoon speaks to the Secretary of State for Business. Um, we have a very close connection with the Treasury uh, and the Chancellor. Uh, we had a good relationship with Rishi Sunak and we have a good relationship with Kwasi Kwarteng and I'm sure we'll have a good relationship with whoever is the Treasury leader, the, the Chancellor of the United Kingdom. Uh, and that we also have very good relationships with the devolved nations, uh, Northern Ireland, Scotland and Wales. And that's been a really important mechanism for us to be able to front up and tell government what the effect of their plans and they do share plans or of their executable activities is actually having on business and we're very proud in the way that we can actually influence um, sometimes influence their decision making not through lobbying but by holding up that mirror so let's talk about that what are the thorny issues facing businesses right now what are you hearing well, I mean, I think it's um, you'd have to have been on Mars not to work out that there's a, a, a few problems going on right now. Primarily, and we talk um, uh, about headwinds. Now, uh, I got this gig in um, late 2019, and I knew about uh, Brexit, but I was absolutely I had no idea that COVID was coming. So we managed to deal with COVID. Uh, we're a mid-market business, you know. We're, and if you go and look at the accounts, we're a mid-market business, the same as most businesses that we represent are. In fact, all businesses we represent, we're, we are the there for the mid-market of the United Kingdom. So we had headwinds. And then, of course, we now have, nobody kind of predicted that Putin was going to invade Ukraine, that we're going to therefore have huge energy issues. We've all been trialed and, and tested on the, on the energy prices, both at a domestic level and also at a business level. And of course, we also have um, headwinds from the um, increasing interest rates and inflation. So there's a few things going on. And what most people, and there's a backdrop to this as well, what most people are telling us is, of course, they're, they're super worried about energy and they're super worried about all the things that, that are there. But also underlying all this, there is the need for talent. And it used to be until relatively recently that the talent war was all about skills. Now it's about people. You know, with 3.6% unemployment, which is essentially zero employment by any other mechanism, um, businesses are really struggling to get people. I mean, not just get the right people, but get people. And if you look at uh, everything from tourism and leisure right through to, you know, manufacturing aero engines, uh, getting talent and keeping it is probably the single most 
a difficult thing to do at the moment for many businesses against this backdrop of having to look at wage price inflation and all the other things we have there. Sure. And with talent being an organisation's single most competitive advantage, it's tough. It's tough out there. And uh, at the moment, there's no forecast for it getting much better unless you're hearing differently. No, uh, we're very privileged to have Kitty Usher as our chief economist and in fact received a briefing, the whole board received a briefing from Kitty last uh, last week and we get regular updates from her and obviously we're privileged in the position we are able to, uh, to talk direct to government. But our predictions are that, or her predictions um, based on her evidence, are, uh, really is that uh, inflation will go down. Inflation is, a, is an annually cyclical thing. So it, um, once the prices go up uh, and they stay up, then they, the economy rebases. So we will review the position being that inflation will come down, might peak um, depending on what happens with the, the Christmas sales. Um, it could peak before Christmas at 11% or maybe just after Christmas at around 11% would be our prediction. Uh, but then it's going to start to come down and we would predict that it's going to come down uh, quite dramatically in the first two quarters of next year. But right now, that doesn't feel great because inflation is high. Certainly, there are going to be some movements on uh, interest rates. Uh, I think we've seen a huge change more recently on interest rates. Uh, that is, that there's still headroom uh, in interest rates for, for rises. Our position really was we felt originally that the Bank of England should have made the increases in interest rates. Now, our position is that mm, we, we feel this probably enough. They need to hold their nerve. Uh, although we suspect that there might be a slight increase pre-Christmas. So, you know, what you read in the papers is what we hear as well. Yeah. Um, it's no different. It's difficult, isn't it? It's a changing situation almost, well, it is daily. Let's talk a little bit more about the IRD. Having been a president of a chartered membership organisation too, they're interesting beasts, aren't they? Membership organisations are very different to the business world, though they're often relying on a large volunteer network, which the IOD is. What unique challenges does that bring as a leader? Stakeholder management. But you know, we teach this in our certificate and diploma course, the management of um, the broad range of stakeholders in all their shapes, sizes, and colors, creeds, locations is, is a critical component of any organization. Uh, but in a membership organization where, and I used to be a volunteer you know, as, as well, you know, where we're dealing with people who are giving up their free time in order to support something they're passionately involved in and, and care about uh, is a challenge. And that challenge is large when it comes to the way that we can, if you like, deploy resources. And, and you know, everybody wants to do something. And it's just sometimes impossible to do everything that everybody wants to do. So it's this balance that has to be struck between the board and the executive working with, in this instance, we have a council as well who represent members, if you like, as our core stakeholder group, and the volunteers. Um, it's never perfect. I'm pilloried and lauded almost in the same breath uh, you know, on a regular <laughs> basis. But it comes with a territory. We just have to manage our stakeholder group. And that's really where good communication, which I'm sure is where you're leading on this, you know, comes in, being yeah. really clear. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. what it is and sometimes you can't be clear you know sometimes you have to say look i we, we basically we don't know i mean i don't know what's going to happen i can guess what's going to happen in the next few months but what i do know it ain't going to get any easier yeah so let's talk about comms actually i'm working with you separately on a different project with the chartered institute of public relations and that's looking at the role of pr and business resilience strategic planning and risk management where do you see comms as sitting within an organization how important is it well, it's, if I can give you an example of the IOD, it's on our boardroom agenda. So it's uh, every aspect of what we do. You know, we talk about the comms and the way that we deal with the stakeholder group. So it's 
its core to strategy, not least because at one end of the scale, you're, you, you may be having to deal with the management of reputational risk. But at the other end of the scale, you want to make sure that your messages are effectively and clearly communicated, because otherwise there's always room for ambiguity and misunderstanding. You know, if we if we're talking about anything as a board, it's uh, it's always accompanied with a comms plan. I know that might sound a bit odd, and of course people say, "Oh, well, of course you you would do that. You're you're died in the wall kind of marketing." But no, it's because the board and we you know we basically have a PLC board for a mid market business because the IOD is a institute, um, and so the demands that the board place on ourselves is that we're able to think very carefully about the comms side of things. So it's, it's an essential component of whatever thing we do. Okay, no, that's great. I'm going to leave with one big question. What's the one thing you believe leads to better business outcomes? Good input and diverse input and arguments. So I think that it's very important that boards are honest with each other that there's a full transparency, of course, in everything that you do. But better business outcomes comes, firstly, and the most essential component is knowing where you're going. So what is the purpose of your business? Can you say what the purpose of your business is? And then, because otherwise, if you if you don't know where, where you're headed, then any road will do, and you end up, you know, you could end up anywhere. So clear view of where you're going, purpose, and then good robust conversations around the board to get you there completely agree and that's a perfect wrap to today's better business outcomes podcast huge thanks john for joining me today and for sharing your experience as the face of one of the uk's most influential business bodies well coming up later in the series we'll be speaking to researcher and author of technology is not neutral stephanie Hare. so don't forget to subscribe for free wherever you usually find your podcasts And if you enjoy what you hear, please also leave us a review. Thanks for joining us and see you next time.